This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. I'm excited to be with you again today. I think you'll agree with me that God has been good to us. Amen? He has been blessing us and helping us to glean stupendous truth from His Word. And we are grateful. I'm excited to see all who have been able to make it tonight. Indeed, I have an audience here, and that's an inspiration to me. So I'm very, very happy that you came by to share with us. And for those in cyberspace, we are happy for you. May God bless us as we open his word today. Let us pray. Loving Father, come by and speak to our hearts tonight. We'll give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. What women want. Tomorrow evening, I'll address the subject, what men want, essentially. So men, don't feel jealous tonight. Tonight, tomorrow is the night when you'll be, I'm sorry, Friday evening is the evening when you will be celebrated. But tonight is just to share with you God's plan, God's will, God's expectation, and your role as a husband. I invite you, first of all, to turn with me to Matthew 16 and verse 8. Matthew 16 and verse 8. Matthew... 16 and verse 18, rather. <clears throat> and I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What do women really want? And that's the big question tonight. Ladies will normally tell you that essentially they want one thing. Matthew 16 and verse 18. <clears throat> They'll tell you that they want one thing. Ask the woman. Ask a woman the world over, and almost invariably, they will tell you one thing. What do you want? 
I want to be loved. I want to be loved. And so tonight I try to compress this message into eight P's, eight P's, to help you to remember them easily. Eight P's in describing what women really want. The first thing I want to say is this, that if we want to understand how to relate to women, we must follow Christ's example. For one of the things with God is that he did not just make men and women and create marriage and just say, well, here, work marriage, without giving us a plan. He didn't just give us marriage and allow us to flounder in the quicksand of ignorance and just blunder around. No, he gave us a plan. He gave us an instruction manual. And he says, if you follow this, you will have maximum performance in your relationships. So, remember the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25, it says, husband, love your wife as Christ loves the church. In other words, Jesus, Jesus is saying, love your wife the way I love my wife. Amen. What's the name of Christ's wife? Iglesias, the church. That's his wife. And if we just come back to the Bible and we love our wife as Christ loves the church, we cannot go wrong. And let me tell you, friends, after many years helping couples across the world, nearly three decades, and after much research and study, I am brought back to one formula, one formula, and that is to love, for a man to love his wife as Christ loves his bride. And that's it. And so the lesson tonight will be based on that premise. Love your wife as Christ loves his wife. And he says, he says Paul even says, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. He was talking about marriage. So we can't mistake it. Love your wife as Christ loves the church. What's the first P, therefore, as it relates to what, what, what a man's duty is and what the woman wants? What's the first P? The first P is promise. Promise. You make a promise to her to love her and to cherish her until death do us part. But not just that. I want to take it a little further. For if we are to follow if we are to love her as Christ loves his bride, listen to what the Bible says, Christ said to his church. He was talking, he says, 
Peter, and I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock myself, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What is Christ saying here? I will build my church upon myself. This is my word. And nothing shall prevail against it. It doesn't matter whether come rain or shine. I'll stick by you. That's it. In other words, you are making a promise to her that it doesn't matter what may happen. Come poverty or riches come sickness or health it doesn't matter what may befall I will stay close to you I will never leave you nor forsake you and I make you a promise so I say to our men tonight are you a promise keeper are you a promise keeper but you know, Pastor, you know how things are sometimes it gets rough and, and sometimes, you know, she discourages me and I just can't take it and I, I feel like it's time to walk out. We make a promise. And therefore, as men, when things get rough and the marriage is rocky, we don't just jump ship. If I'm the head, if I'm the CEO of a large organization, then when there is success in the company, I own it. When there is success in the company, I own it. I, I celebrate it. I regard it as wonderful. So, when there is failure, I own it as well. In other words, the buck stops with me. I'm the leader. And if my organization is crumbling, I don't blame my employees for the failure. I'm in charge. So when the marriage is crumbling, I'm in charge. The buck stops with me. And I must find ways to fix it. Amen. This brings me to one thing. If there are challenges in the marriage, don't wait on the lady to call the pastor or the marriage counselor or the therapist. No, she is looking to you to fix it. In other words, when it is crumbling, whose first job it is to start the fixing process? It is the man. You are the head. You are the leader. You are the CEO of this organization. And so you initiates the process of rebuilding the relationship. You're a promise keeper. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. In other words, this relationship, I'm the, I'm the head. I take 
full responsibility. The box stops with me. So when things are going wrong, I initiate the move to fix it. A lot of men sometimes, because of cultural orientation, they don't like the idea of counseling. They believe it's a sign that they are failing and they are weak. No, friends. When you seek help, you see, when your car is in a state of disrepair, don't you call the mechanic? You find different means and ways. You read good books. You go to seminar. You, do, you take a workshop. But you must find a way to seek to rebuild this relationship. A friend of mine some time ago called her pastor. Pastor, can I make an appointment with you because um, I need some counseling. Then the pastor said, what date are you? What date do you have in mind? And he says, can I make an appointment for such and such a date? He says, no, I'm sorry. That date, I'll be seeing my counselor for my marriage. Friends, did you know that everybody needs a coach? Even the pastor is going for counseling. Did you know that every marriage needs a maintenance program? Every marriage needs a maintenance program. You see, even an airplane, when it's flying, 95% of the time, it's off course. It is at 5% of the time, especially when it, when it gets closer to landing, that they take advantage of that intelligence. And they bring it right back on course and land it. 95% of the time, it's off course. Your marriage is off course much of the time. But this is why you need help to maintain that relationship. So don't be afraid to get help. I remember when I was at school, when I was in university, even, even carrying, doing the marriage and family therapy program. Sometimes when we come to school, they would ask, what, what was your week like? And all the folks, so many of them, even my professor, she says, okay, this week gone, I went to see my counselor. I went to see my therapist. That's my professor. Friends, everybody needs help. Are you with me? We all need a coach. If somebody knows it a little better than you, then expend the effort, invest in your marriage, and get help. For every marriage needs a maintenance program. So, are you a promise keeper? Are you a promise keeper? Remember this, friends, that every organization rise and fall based on leadership. Leadership. So, invest in your marriage. And so, a promise keeper, make a promise. In other words, she needs leadership, she needs security, and she needs commitment. She wants to know that when you are gone to work, she doesn't have to worry, for she has security. She doesn't have to stay home and fret and say, well, wonder what he's going to come home to tell me. No, every day you are pampering her and you are reassuring her that you will stand by her side, come what may, and that gives her assurance for you are committed to her. That's marriage. Always committed to her. And by the way, let me tell you this, friends. 
Another thing here is to talk about commitment is this. Never give your spouse, never give your wife a reason to distrust you. Amen. Never give her a reason to distrust you. To lose trust in you. You see, we can lose trust in a moment with the snap of a finger. But guess what, friends? It may take a lifetime to repair it. So when you are married, never give your wife a reason to distrust you. When she calls you and says, where are you? Don't say, well, I'm my own man. I, I, I don't have to report to nobody. Why are you calling? Why are you asking where I am? No. You're accountable to her. Amen. So if I, you say, well, you know, I'm, the, I'm here. You know, I, I'll still be there. And you, you are ready to reveal your whereabouts. Is that right? You see, when people start sinning, they start hiding. Amen. Just like Adam and Eve. But when you, are, when, you, when you have nothing to hide, you are naked. The naked truth. In other words, we call it H-O-T. You are honest, you are open, and you are transparent. Amen. There's nothing to hide. And so she must be able to know your whereabouts wherever you are. Amen. You see, there are three things, friends, as it relates to commitment. Three things that we must be aware of. Three things that reveal how pure your life is. Whether, you, you, whether, whether you're truly committed to her or you are playing around with another. Three things. That reveals such. Number one, your time. Number two, your money. And number three, your password. Amen. Where did you spend? How much, how much is in the account? Well, well um, um, I'll put such a, but I'm not sure. You see, you cannot cheat without money. And if you are open with your finances, that's one way to protect yourself against infidelity. Amen. Number two, you can't cheat without spending time. So you must also give an account of your time. Where were you? Oh, I called you, but I didn't get to you. What happened? Well, you know, um, I left my phone somewhere. And Hello. You must... Give account of your time, for you cannot cheat without spending time with the other person. Is that clear? Another thing is your password. Oh, does your husband, does your wife know your password? Well, no, I can't do that. I'm a private person. I'm a secret, you know, I'm like a secret agent, man. I can't reveal that. Friends, if, you, if your life is an open book, you'll have no problem sharing your password. Amen? In my home, for example, you use one password for almost everything. Exactly. We don't have to hide anything. We're an open book. Isn't that right? And so that helps to build confidence in her. Anyhow, the second P is 
purity. Purity. You must protect yourself against fidelity, infidelity. You must demonstrate that you are faithful to her and you must demonstrate your loyalty. Purity. Amen. And that's religion. That's godliness. If we are faithful to God, then purity before God also means we should be pure in our marriage. Purity. She must have confidence that she is number one in the relationship and nobody else. Number one. Number three, in other words, let me say that she's asking the question, am I the only woman? You know, Hebrews 13 and verse 4 says, marriage is what? Honorable and the bed undefiled. But guess what? Those who are immoral, God will judge. God will judge. Do you know how difficult it is, therefore, then to marry somebody who fears not God? You know, when you have faith in God, when your partner has faith in God, that's one way to help to ensure that your marriage is stabilized. Because if they are conscious that God is always seeing them, then that's a good way to help them to remain faithful. So I say to all my young people today, if you're seeking a spouse, if you're seeking a spouse, remember as I said when I spoke to the singles, we must find that one in the presence of God. For purity with God comes first. And if that is established, then that will enhance, that will ensure that your spouse remains pure in the relationship. Purity with God is important. So purity, number two. Number three, positivity. Positivity. Oh, that has to do with the compliments and the appreciation that you give to her. I want to spend some time on that. Did you know that a woman is deeply emotional? Oh, you are too emotional. What's wrong with you? Listen to me. For her not to be emotional, it is like telling her not to be human. <laughs> She's deeply emotional. First Peter 3 and verse 7 says what? The weaker vessel. Husbands, dwell with them in an understanding way. Giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. What does that mean? Yes, a woman is strong in many ways. She's strong physically. So strong that did you know that the heart of a woman is even stronger than that of a man? Oh, yes. Especially during those child-rearing years. Her, his heart is there to sustain blood for, for, for himself. <laughs> but not for her. Her heart is there sustaining blood and oxygen. For not for her fetus, two and sometimes three, four. A woman's heart is stronger than that of a man. 
Did you know that a woman outlives a man by seven years? So strong she is. No wonder the insurance companies, they love women. Amen. It's a good deal. For if you and your wife go, all the other things being equal to the insurance company, did you know that your wife gets the policy over you any day? Because she's strong. But you know, what makes her weak then? Why the Bible says she's a weaker vessel? Watch this, friends. She's a weaker vessel for emotionally. She's a weaker vessel. Emotionally. So you can understand when, when she's upset and you want her to calm down and she's just going on and on and on. One year ago, two years ago, she's bringing up something that you thought you forgot. She doesn't forget so easily. One man was once, you know, giving a testimony in church. He says, you know, my wife. My wife has hypnosis. He says, my wife is a, is a, is a, is a historian. Somebody nudged him and says, no, 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 I don't think you mean historian. You mean, you mean, you mean she's hysterical. He said, no, 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 no. I mean, my wife is historical. He says, no, 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 you mean she's hysterical. He says, no, my wife is historical. For when she's ready, she goes all the way back. She doesn't forget. She's emotional. She remembers things. So how should you relate to her? You know, it is said that a woman, she gets upset faster and stays upset longer. Amen. How do you relate to her? Do you know one of the great challenges with men? Do you know one of the great mistakes a lot of men make? Is that when she comes with her emotion and she comes at him so strong, then the man becomes reactive. Hello, don't try, don't think you can outdo her. Amen. Don't think you can outdo her. So don't be reactive. Don't try to take her on when she comes with her emotion, man, and she's talking and she cannot stop. Your job is to listen. Amen. And when she's talking a little more, five more minutes, you listen. Ten more minutes. You listen. Pastor, so when should I stop listening? When she stops talking. Amen. You can't outdo her in trouble. And so the man must learn to be a great listener. And when she stops talking, one of these days, you know, if you have time, we'll give a little lesson on the art of listening, mastering the art of listening. When, when her emotion is strong, friends, and, and, her, and, it, and her emotion looms, you see, it's like a paper, you know, it, it blocks anything you'd want to say to her. It's like this. It doesn't matter what you say, it just, it just brushes off. 
Her emotion is in charge. You can't penetrate that. And the way to solve that, you must allow her to talk. By talking, she brings out the emotion into the open. Is that clear? Brings it out into the open. And she talks five minutes, ten minutes, twenty minutes, thirty minutes. Allow her to talk. Allow her to talk. And when she gets upset, man, and she, and she, and she coins a word, man, and, and throws it at you, man, and you feel hurt. What do you say, man? Your job is to say, tell me more. Amen. You only interrupt her with the words, tell me more. And then when she's talking, she talk, when she's through talking, you know what happened after a while? Then the emotion comes out into the open. And then after a while she may say, I'm done. It's your time to talk now. You know what happens at that point in time? The emotion has come out and then therefore there's a vacuum in her heart. And then and only then it is the man's turn to talk. Amen. Then she's, and then she's only ready to receive you because there's a vacuum now in her heart. And then now you can now express your viewpoint. Is that clear? That's how you relate to a woman. If not, trouble all the time in the home. A man must learn to be a great listener. Amen. A great listener. And so there's a psychology. Did you know, friend, the Bible, God knows it is not easy to deal with a woman. Why do you think God says, God, God didn't even say to the woman, as important as it is for the woman to understand the man. But do you know that God directs that the man? God says, you cannot live with a woman except you understand her. Oh, 1 Peter 3 and verse 7, you know what the Bible says? It says, husbands, dwell with them in an understanding way. Amen. Another version puts it this way. It says, dwell with them according to knowledge. You must spend time understanding a woman. What does that mean? You must understand her psychological map. The, the, the different roots to her heart. You must understand what makes her tick. You must understand her love language. You must, man, when you get married, hello today, you just entered a university and for the rest of your life, you are learning about this woman. And so as a wise man, you must be a humble student of your wife. Amen. Must try to understand her. So positivity. Positivity, friends, let me tell you this. If you remember nothing else tonight, you must remember this. If you want your woman to be happy. <laughs> if you want your wife to be jumping around the house with a spring in her step and a sparkle in her eye, you must spend time praising her, affirming her, celebrating her. <laughs> but pastor, she's not doing that to me. Hello, you are the leader. Oh, I want to talk to you today. 
There's something, you know, I, 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 I compiled a course. I, I did a course, you know, on the power of words. Friends, do you know what positive words do to your relationship? Positivity. When you talk about the dopamine, the dopamine, pleasant words are a way of, 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 of igniting the pleasure center of the brain and causing the secretion of the hormone dopamine. Dopamine, friends, is what you call the feel-good hormone. When you, when you praise somebody, oh, friend, let me tell you something, it, 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 it elicits such joy in their heart that it makes, it makes life worthwhile. Worthwhile. As a matter of fact, I want to even interject here, you know, in preparation for Friday evening's message. Do you know what the greatest need of a man is? I'm going to talk about that then. But friends, a lady too must learn what it is to praise her husband. I'm going to talk about that. But for men, you must live to praise her. Find, find ways to praise her. <laughs> Why do you think Proverbs 31, Proverbs 31 and verse 28, you know what it says? It says, her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also and praiseth her. <laughs> Sometimes I go, I said to a young man, man, you know, I said, do you praise your wife? He said, pastor, I don't want to praise her. If I praise her, her head, her head will swell. So I said, well, let it swell. <laughs> You know, friends, we have to change our mindset. Isn't that right? Yeah. We have to have a paradigm shift. Did you know that joy in marriage, when you praise your spouse, they see you as the magnetic spouse? They become attached to you. And they, they will leave you for nothing. For you make them feel good. Is that clear? It's called what? It's called emotional intelligence. Is that right? Being aware of your own emotion and being aware of her emotion, her need for validation. You must find ways to praise her. Remember one morning, for example, you know, I got up in the house, you know, I took a picture of my wife while she was sleeping. Right? I took a picture of her while she was sleeping, man. When she woke up, when she woke up, I showed it to her. She said, mm. Then I said to her, even while you're sleeping, you're beautiful. Amen. Oh, friends, let me tell you something, man. After a while, her, her face lights up, and for the rest of the morning, man, you know, she was just jumping and singing, and, you know, she made a breakfast that morning so delicious. Amen. Friend, something happened when you praise your spouse. You praise your spouse. You know, we know how we feel about it. Isn't that right? This morning, for example, man, you know, sometimes my wife and I, we get up like sometimes 4 o'clock, 4.30 in the morning, and we just have pillow talk. Amen? And we just talk all the, the sweet nonsense. And then, you know, and we talk and talk and talk. And even like this morning, you know, when she was telling me, oh, you know, I like you. And then, you know, she acted as though she was going to leave it there. Then I said, sweetheart, why did you say that? Amen. You want to hear more, isn't that right? And then she said, you know, you know, because guess what? Without being specific, there is no affirmation. 
You have to tell them why you like them. And then, you know, she says, you know, I like you because, you know, you're a go-getter and so forth. And friends, when she was through, I said to her, oh, you make my morning. Not just my morning, but you make my day. It feels good. Isn't that right? When somebody affirms you. Do you know, friends, when we affirm our wife, oh, I tell her something, it makes her feel like a superstar. Amen. So don't wait until she dies. And then you go, you know, and sit with her casket there and you go to eulogize her. Oh, she was such a great mother. <laughs> she was so wonderful. She worked miracles. She did everything. She, was, she made the impossible possible. Then let me ask you, did she know that? Did she know that? Many people, friends, they die because they have been love-starved. And if you only spent a little time and praised them, maybe they would not have died. Amen. So, don't scatter roses, as according to the song. Don't scatter roses after I'm gone. Give them to me while life carry on. Amen. Friends, today I want to say this. Maybe I'll have part two another time. But I want to end with this. Men, you must be a priest in your home. That's number four. I'm going to end with that. Jump, jump to the end of my message. You must be a priest in your home. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Call the family to family worship. Don't wait on her to do it. I agree if you are not there, she does it. If you fall sick, she can do it. But primarily, you take the lead. Call the family to worship. In the morning, sometimes I look at my watch. In the morning, I watch, I watch my clock carefully. We have a set time, six o'clock, worship. Sometimes in their room it's dark. I have to be the one to go and knock them up. I have to watch my clock. When I see two minutes to six, I start to jump out of bed. And I knock them up. Because it's my job to lead them to the gates of heaven. The, the, the Bible says, God asked Abraham. God said of Abraham, I know him. That he will order his household after me. Does God know you men to be the man who will lead your family to the gates of heaven? Joshua, it was said of Joshua. As for me and my house, we will serve. In other words, I don't know, I, I don't care. I don't know what you will do at your home. But in my home, I, as for me and my house, in my home, will serve the Lord. Amen. Do you declare thus that the Lord, that come what may, you will lead your family to the gates of heaven? Do you know a woman loves when a man is a man of prayer? Even when he prays for her. A man must be in touch with God in such a way that he can, he can convey the truth to the woman. That's what Adam did. It wasn't Eve that God, God spoke to at first. About the tree? No, it wasn't Eve. It was Adam. Where was Eve? Eve was not even there as yet. But after Eve was, was created, then Eve was repeating the words to the serpent. Hath not God said, we should not eat of these? The question is, how did Eve get the word? It stands to reason. Adam communicated the word to her. 
God is speaking to the man. And you, it is your job to lead your family to the gates of glory. Today, my friends, today, I want to pray for somebody. As a man, I want to commit my life to God. I'm not perfect. There's no perfect marriage. In my marriage, there's a lot of misunderstanding sometimes. There's a lot of disagreements. There's no perfect marriage. But you know what, friends? Regardless of what, I've made a commitment that by God's grace, I'm going to stand by my wife and I'm going I'm, I'm to be there as the man in my home. Amen? Amen. Tonight, friends, it's a time for recommitment. Do you want to say, preacher, please pray for me. Remember me. I too want to stand on God's side tonight and recommit my life as the man of my home. I want to pray for somebody. Just raise that hand. All the men, God bless you. God bless you. Just raise your hand. I want to, I, I, it, it, it's just a time to recommit your life and say, Preacher, remember me, for I too want to stand as the man in my home. God bless you. I see the hand in the body. It's all the men tonight. Just raise that hand. If, it, if you just want to say, Lord, preacher, pray for me. For I too recommit my life to God to stand as the man in my home. God bless you. Shall we all stand together as we pray? Loving Father, into your hands we commend our spirits. We are frail and feeble, but, O oh God, you knoweth our frail. You remember that we are dust. Tonight we pray, O oh God, that all of us as men, you are looking to us. You expect great things of us. There's a great job, task, great task, devolving upon our shoulders, O oh God, to lead our families. Tonight, O oh God, as we give our hearts to you, make us the men you want us to be and save our families for time and for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation Seven-day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you'd like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.